is a, it is a, a love hate rela- not a hate I would I love a disagree relationship <laughs> but anytime we do anytime we do disagree it's all out of love I uh I have some ideas but we're just gonna run it um mm-hmm. I am a little sick so okay. um my brain's not firing in all yeah. cylinders I texted you okay I trust you fully. You know that I love you and look up to you. So. Thank you. All right, give me just a second. In giving away the control, you got it. I can't not have fun. Awesome. Spencer's here. Oh, yeah. We're really out here, y'all. <laughs> I do not even speak French. I speak Spanish. Um, but nonetheless, uh, welcome to the fourth episode of Control Issues. And today I have Spencer yeah, with yeah. me. <laughs> yeah, we really out here. We really out here, y'all. Uh, don't even, I don't quite understand that phrase. Can you give me a reader's digest of that? Um, I'm pretty sure what it means is that, you know, we're here to stay. We are, <laughs> okay. you know. We're really out here. It means like, you know, we're, we're doing really the doing the deal. Okay, cool. Because really I saw that posted last year after someone came back from a conference and I was so confused. And normally I'll Google something, but I just let it ride. And I think I've used it a couple times <laughs> and I'm like, if I just use it and it's wrong, someone will correct me. Yeah. Um, I don't think there is a wrong way to use it. I think it's very catchy and it's personal. <laughs> Praise the Lord yeah, on that one. then, Because yeah. <laughs> I misuse uh terminology all the time but um you don't need too much of an intro most people know who you are but can you give us like a snippet of who are you where are you from what's your deal just like a queep jesus christ (laughs) sorry a quick synopsis of who you are uh yeah my name is spencer um i was born in georgia lived in california for a while been back and forth from here and there my whole life you know started using drugs and alcohol at a very early age um pretty much ran my entire life up until <laughs> I was 30 years old. So I would say <laughs> how old are you now? Uh, I'll be 33 in a month. Um, Wait, when's your birthday? It's in my calendar. But December 1st. Okay, that's right. Shout that's out right. Sagittarius. Shout out December babies. Yeah, oh yeah. Um, there's a lot of December birthdays. There really is. And it's, it's, it's a great month. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, so what part of Georgia did you grow up in or have you lived in predominantly? Uh, I've actually grew up, we're in Roswell mm-hmm. now, so I grew up about 15 minutes away from here in Alpharetta, lived in Roswell, lived in Alpharetta, lived in Sandy Springs. Cool. So this is, you know, my stomping grounds. This is your hood. You know, this is where I did all my drug use. This is where I got sober as well. So yeah, it's a good place to get sober. For I mean, sure. I got sober at Shady 111 mm-hmm. in Sandy Springs. Because um, my parents lived in Dunwoody, and that's mm-hmm. where I could walk to. So anytime someone says, oh, well, that's just too far, I'm like, bitch, I walked <laughs> a mile and a half, and I walked two miles to work, and I walked to meet my sponsor, and only sometimes did she drive me home. Um, so anytime people are like, I don't know if I can do that, I'm like, uh, willingness, open-mindedness, and Where there's honesty. a will, there's a way. Damn right. If you were willing to get to dope for in any way, oh, you yeah. can do it to get oh, sober, yeah. right? Yeah, I did it in the snowpocalypse uh, <laughs> Snow multiple <pocalypse>. times. <laughs> Two miles, so. one way uphill. Yes. Um, so some history for the listeners. So how Spencer and I know each other, and we are dear friends. While we may butt heads occasionally, it's all out of love. Um, sure. When I had just 
short of six months. Spencer had reached out to me on Facebook. I think you were trying to get your ex-girlfriend a job. I can't remember. I had posted something about the job I used to work at, and um, you invited me to a meeting, and you came and picked me up. And so we go to this meeting, and prior to that, I was not having this program. I was like, I'm six months sober. I've been living with my parents. I don't really have any friends. I hadn't really connected with a lot of people. A lot of the meetings I went to at 8111 were either people way younger than me, Candlelight, or people at 545 who are way older. And I'm like, what do you know about my struggles when, you know, you're just a one bottle of wine drinker? Because all I was looking at were the differences, not the similarities. But to make a long story even longer, you took me to this meeting. We, the meeting was awesome. You could vape in there at the time. Um, it was in a basement, and then we went and shot pool, and then I ended up going dancing with someone, people I didn't even know, and immediately I felt an instant connection. And I talk about it in my story, but it's true. If you hadn't done that, I don't think I'd be here today because I was pretty much like on the fence of do I kill myself, do I use? Um, so I attribute a lot of like where I've gotten to because of you. Well, I really appreciate that. Um, you know, I, I will never forget that night. Um, I remember – we went to hard mm-hmm. and uh, we went to shoot pool after. And that was like a typical Saturday night for us um, at the time. Right. And um, I got to see you like immediately fit in with everyone, immediately be accepted by everyone because you did put yourself out there. I mean, you didn't know me. You didn't know these people Mm-mm. and you put yourself out there. And I think that's that's really all it takes around here. Um, a lot of people get intimidated by that. But um, I try to be as welcoming as possible. Um, because people did that for me. Now, granted, I did not stay sober after that. <laughs> um, I don't think you were sober that night. <laughs> uh, I think I was at the time, but okay, it, okay. it wasn't too long after that before I went back out. And uh, I got to witness you just blossom in this fellowship and become someone that is so important and so needed around these parts, especially in this fellowship. Um, it has truly been an honor and I know we do butt heads, but I, like I tell you, I will always look up to you and always love and respect you. Um, to see the way you came in, not knowing anyone, you put yourself out there and was immediately accepted by everyone. <laughs> I tried know. to take control of a event planning that I wasn't yeah. even a part of. <laughs> but that was the beauty of it. You yeah. put yourself out there, you know, and was accepted and immediately went to work on how to make this fellowship bigger and better. And that's your constant focus. Yeah. And I absolutely love that about well, you. My ego is massive right now, so I appreciate that. I, uh, I'm actually dealing with kind of a cold. I've been working home for two, from home for two days, so I'm not firing on all slin- cylinders. I can't even talk. Is there some kind of like auto-tune where we can fix the words? Um, <laughs> and I also think I broke the microphone, um, but We're I really appreciate it. call her Z-Pain it. with the auto-tune. <laughs> Z-Pain. You guys should <laughs> check out my playlist on Spotify. But so She is fire with, this, with the playlist. Yeah. I got a good one I've been curating for the holidays for 15 years. Mm. Um, but with that being said, you know, to dial back a little bit, that night we went out, we shot pool, and that was a large part of my recovery for a long time. It still is. The fellowship, it's... For me, it's definitely equal sides the triangle. But when I was, you know, six months to a year sober, we were doing that every Saturday. And that's something you excel at is the fellowship. You're always getting people involved and it can be intimidating. I've had I had a sponsee once who's like, I don't even know how to get involved with that crew of people. I'm like, just stand near us at a meeting um, because we will be like, oh, hey, what's your name? You're now invited. You're in our group chat. I hope you want to be welcomed at Friendsgiving and mm-hmm. yada, yada, yada. But 
while you keep all that very prominent in your recovery, how do you balance it with the other stuff? Mm -hmm. Like with the program and meetings and sponsees and all that. Mm -hmm. Of course. And I'm actually really glad that you brought this up because people do see um, what they want to see on the outside looking in and they see me having fun constantly, which is true. I think that this fellowship is a big part of my recovery, but that's not the only thing that, that I focus on. You know, I do love to give back. Um, I do put myself out there. I am sponsoring men in the program. Uh, I do try to welcome the newcomer. I do try to be of service anytime I can. I'm involved in the uh, area level for HA. Um, I try to do service as much as I can without driving myself crazy. You know, I see a lot of people get so involved in service too. Um, but it is hard to find the balance, yeah. you know. I don't base my recovery solely on the fellowship. I once did. Mm -hmm. And I think that's when I met you. Yes. And, <laughs> and it was evident, but it was evident. I based you had to my go through your experience. Exactly. Right? I was strictly solely sober on the fellowship. And, you know, it lasted a little while until it wasn't enough anymore. And I went back out because of it. Um, it wasn't until I came back in and actually you know, was honest with myself, honest with my sponsor, thoroughly worked the steps and continue to be of service to people to where I was able to find uh, that balance and stay sober as a result of it. So right. um, although I do think the fellowship is a huge part of my recovery, it's not what keeps me sober and it's not how I stayed sober. So yeah, yeah. And, and I think we can look back like all this and everything we share here is just our experience. Right. That's exactly. all I can speak on. Um, and, the, you know, with some of that's come from experience of others, it's kind of like a domino effect. Right. And I think that you can look back on yours and say, well, here's what didn't work and here's what is working. And I, I see it in my own program because during that time we were heavily involved in a lot of social engagements. Um, and I had about nine months I finished the steps the first time I'm going back through the steps now and have been back through them before but I'm doing big book awakening it's pretty intense well I've noticed that all these new as Chansey likes to say the areas where I didn't used to have areas mm -hmm. are creeping into my program and like I took a long time on my fourth step and some of it was out of fear and I think some of it was like but I really want to go to Tennessee for a unity event, right? Mm -hmm. um, so with that being said, I th I've noticed a shift in you. You started a men's meeting. How's that going? Wow. I'm so glad you brought this up as well. Um, Zora uh, definitely opened my eyes when it came to men's meetings and women's meeting. If you guys didn't know, she has a women's meeting that she does on Wednesday nights. And... For the longest time, I never understood, you know, what was so important about keeping the men and the women separate or having their own different meetings. Um, it didn't really make sense to me until, you know, I had a conversation with her about it and I decided to give it a shot. You know, I, uh, I do run a sober living in Roswell and it was the perfect opportunity to have a small, intimate meeting with a group of men and, and see what happened. You know, we have no affiliation to any fellowship. It is strictly just a small group of guys that sit down with each other once a week and, um, you know, whatever the topic gets brought up, we share on. Yeah. And it has truly and honestly been the best hour of my week thus far. You know, we started it about a month and a half ago and every week has been phenomenal. And it really opened my eyes to where I now I understand why um, there are women's meetings and men's meetings. 
um, because we have a lot of new guys in there mm -hmm. that not necessarily all of them want to go to a big meeting and share in front of a huge group of people or maybe they're not able to share honestly in a room where there's women where they're feeling like they're being judged and it's the same way for women 100% um so I do find the importance of it and I'm very grateful for it you know I, I've learned so much about these guys and about myself when we're able to be honest um and with vulnerable. no judgment and vulnerable mm -hmm. which is you know we're men. We don't like to be vulnerable <laughs> or we don't like to admit that we like to be vulnerable. But when you're but vulnerability is the true measurement of courage. It definitely is. Um, so I, I thank you for opening my eyes to that. Um, it has truly uh, definitely changed my recovery within the past month and a half to where right. I am focused on um, being more open and, and vulnerable and honest with, with the men around me. Yeah. I mean, I love co-ed meetings. Don't get me wrong. My home group, we're in the same home group, right? Mm -hmm. um, apparently, I had Bethany on last week. She's in the same home group, too. Yep. <laughs> Legacy is where it's at. Yep. Um, but... I love those meetings and they're great, but there definitely is a purpose. Like mine is also not affiliated with any fellowship and it gives for us the opportunity to be like, Hey, I'm struggling with this breakup and it sucks. And I'm sorry, but you can't get up in a meeting and talk about that in especially an old school AA, God forbid. <laughs> right. Um, Hey, I love AA yeah. got me sober and I still go once a week to kick it with the old timers at five forty-five. but, um, it's a nice forum and, it it allows me to be open and vulnerable with people who I might not necessarily have been before because, you know, I talked about this before and I talk about this a lot, like I have a small crew of friends and lots of acquaintances, right? Well, only those select friends can know all the ins and outs of me and know, you know, that someone, a dude bailed on me on a date on Sunday and like, I was not happy about it. I went and got the start of my sleeve and I have a massive <laughs> tattoo on my shoulder now. Um, we all have our coping <laughs> mechanisms, right? Exactly. I blame Kurt. He was like, go, go do it. You know, no. he was like, impulsive tattoos are always a good idea. Um, no, I'm glad I did it. But, um, Having that form to talk to people and allow people in has been a huge growth opportunity for me, kind of like you were talking about, like growing to be open minded. I have a bunch of women in my life who I didn't normally connect with. I connected. And why did I not connect with them? Because I didn't allow them. Right. It wasn't because they had done anything or I didn't like them. It was just kind of one of those hashtag no new friends things. Mm -hmm. So. You mentioned you have a sober living. What's that mm -hmm. like to open a sober living at how, how long have you been sober? Mm, I'll be coming up on two years. Mm -hmm. Um, it has been a learning lesson and a process for sure. Um, I started it, uh, about four months ago, uh, with my roommate at the time. Um, I got a chance to work in recovery at about nine months sober, um, Shout out Atlanta Detox. <laughs> Shout out Troy Rondi. Um, and it was truly a uh, an eye opening experience because I, you know, being thirty two years old, mm -hmm. not knowing what I wanted to do with my life, um, you know, just used to not having any goals or ambition. I finally was experienced to a field where I felt like I belonged yeah. and um, a career that I really want to make, you know, a part of my life. Like I want to continue to help other people recover. Um, so when I was exposed to that at about nine months sober, 
I instantly knew that like I didn't know what I was going to do or how I was going to do it, but I wanted to work in recovery um, because it is such a rewarding experience to get paid to do something you love and to help other people. So I guess maybe a lot of what we're talking about is balance. That's what keeps popping up into my mind. Um, How do you balance running a sober living and still having your own recovery and kind of not commingling the two because I've seen people who have worked in recovery and then it just tears them apart, right? Mm-hmm. And it, it doesn't seem to be doing that with you whatsoever from, you know, mm-hmm. I know you're very close or I'm a very, we're very close and I know you personally, but how do you keep the two separate and not try and sponsor people within there or of course not um, get burnt out? Yeah, it's very hard um, to find that balance. I'm, I still struggle with it. Um, I do like to keep them separate. You know, I don't sponsor guys in my program. Mm-hmm. Um, I will find them a sponsor, but I do keep my recovery somewhat separate out of it, other than that Wednesday night meeting. Shout out men's meetings. <laughs> Shout out Zora for teaching me that. Well, you know, th- we I think I've had a lot of people on here recently who have talked about their new experience um, with them. And to be honest, when I was first coming in, I wanted to see the dudes, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, be in the meetings and, like, look nice. And it's funny. Oh, this guy that I know, he made a comment a couple, gosh, maybe it was like six months ago. He was like, you know, you've been sober for a little bit because you look like shit today. And I was like, <laughs> true that I'm showing up, but, but you know, it's true. And I did it yeah. right. I put on the cute clothes. I showed up mm-hmm. to the meeting. I was really hoping this mm-hmm. one guy would look at me. Right. Um, so it has some validity because now you're like, oh crap, I maybe need like recovery and not mm-hmm. just like the thought fest. Um, but a thought fest in another way. Um, <laughs> Accurate. Yeah, exactly. Um, so something that we have in common, and I've m- mentioned my playlist. Um, so music is pivotal and quintessential to my life. It is how I express my emotions. Um, I post a song of the day, and one day I posted like, I don't fuck with you. And then I immediately <laughs> changed it to like a Dolly Parton song later on because I was like, I'm not mad anymore. Um, do you have any like music that really has shaped your recovery? Wow. This is a, a great question. So before I got sober, um, I was strictly rap. Mm-hmm. Um, so hood. Exactly. You know, <laughs> you know, living in the streets and shit. So you're doing, you know, you're doing hood rat shit, listening to hood rap music. And I still enjoy my fair share of, of rap music and, and hood rat shit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that will always be a part of me. Shout but out Honey Buns. Oh, always. <laughs> um, shout out Pockets. Um, anyways, I, f- I found that when I got sober, I was um, hanging out with friends that were listening to other types of music. And I found myself really enjoying it. I also found myself listening to music that I listened to back in like eighth grade before Mm -hmm. drugs and alcohol really took over, um, really like bringing me back to like, you know, alternative and and indie and and, and things of that nature that I used to love, but I got away from, um, you know, in my drug career and my hood rat shit. Um, But now I'm into like EDM heavily, Um, you know, there's still hip hop. I still listen to the old alternative stuff. Um, there's so much good music out there. Well, now I even got into country a little bit. <laughs> Shout out Sam Hunt. Well, now you're present to like hear it, right? Exactly. And I have so much emotional attachment to music. They say that your smell memory is the 
is the biggest one, right? Like if you, if someone's wearing polo black, I'm going to think of my first ex-boyfriend and you better get the fuck away from me. <laughs> um, he was a great dude. It was just like my first boyfriend. Exactly. So you know how that goes. Exactly. And then, but then after that is auditory memory. So like if I hear landslide, I lost my mom 10 years ago. If I hear landslide, it really hits me because that was one of her songs. But I also have songs that like, guys that I've dated in while I've been sober have introduced to me and I was listening to a playlist I had made and I was like oh no I cannot listen to another Jason Isbell song today because I was <laughs> remembering an ex is there any music for you that was maybe from when you were using that you can't listen to because I've heard people talk about that for me I don't even know what I was listening to this to be honest yeah so there's a few uh, artists that remind me of my heavily using days that I can still listen to, mm -hmm. um, you know, it doesn't like trigger me or anything, but specifically like old, the weekend, yeah. like trilogy, um, was like my heyday of like dark drug use. And basically all his songs are about dark drug use and wild sex capades <laughs> while high on whatever he was using. Um, so it was very relatable at the time and I was so into it and I would just get faded and, and play, you know, trilogy on repeat. Yeah. Um, and I can, I love the weekend. I think his voice is great and his music is amazing. His you don't click with it amazing. anymore, right? Um, I can still listen to it, but it's not something that like I go out of my way to listen to unless I'm in a dark mood. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And it brings me back every time I hear, you know, certain songs by him i remember like being locked like in my room like just getting faded <laughs> yeah with a girl and, <laughs> and that yeah. was it right yeah so you mentioned you like edm do you go to shows yes um wow Glad and you go to shows sober up. right yes yes uh shout out imagine shout out hangout <laughs> shout out my crew that i went there with um i think the first big show that we went to was hangout fest this past year um, which was a, a good mix. It wasn't all EDM. They had rap. They That's had out of town, right? Indie. Yeah, we went to Gulf Shores, Alabama. Um, I got a condo with eight of my really close friends. And we were there all weekend um, to experience this festival together. And it was one of the greatest experiences of my life. Um, man, we had so much fun. And being able to be sober at this event, we had so much fun. People would come up to us and be like, what are you guys on? Because we were <laughs> out there just loving life so much. We're sober. rocketed into the fourth dimension. Exactly. So we're killing it. And, and I really uh, found out what that meant um, that weekend. And and we went to Imagine recently, too, with, with some of the same people. And uh, just an amazing experience to go to shows like that um, and experience the music and the friendships that are formed and, you know, being there all weekend um, and able to be present for it, you know, there were so many people there that were not sober and it was obvious. And I was actually not jealous of them. I actually mm -hmm. pitied them because yeah. some of them were not having a good time. And it <laughs> showed. And being able to be there and be present for it and remember everything that happened and all the memories that come with it, with the amazing people you're spending that time with is something that I'll never forget. Yeah. Well, I went out on Friday night after a Halloween party to go dancing with a couple of people. Um, and we were so jazzed in the car. We're like, we haven't done this in forever because we're all getting older. And some people have boyfriends and, mm. you know, yada, yada. Uh, not me. I'm still single. But um, <laughs> cuffing season. Um, I really like football. Whatever. Um, this show is not about me. Anyway, so... 
we were making jokes the whole time. Like we had a blast, right? We were there to like one thirty. I just got tired and I drove and I was like, roll out. I drove. Mm-hmm. Let's go. Um, but being able to show up, not worried about any cop behind me, right? And leave was so great. But also, like you mentioned, being present. Um, and honestly, it doesn't phase me when I walk into a bar. Sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. there's occasional times where I'm like, I'm not right. But for me, that determ- is determined by where am I at spiritually that day? Do you feel like that's kind of your thing or are you just good to go all the time, safe and protected? I feel pretty confident that um, eight times out of ten that I will be in the right state of mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I feel like I'm not, I, I won't go. Um, I do have big, big time FOMO. Um, <laughs> I saw that you guys were out that night and kind of was like, mm, that seemed fun, but... I was also spending time with my girlfriend, so um, that was uh, it. Took away from the FOMO because uh, she's amazing. Um, but I mean, you know me; I love to dance and go yeah. to bars with the rest of them. Um, it's kind of my thing. And um, we took over Red Door one night, and yes, a bunch of people we were like, it was "Oh, really you guys must be drunk or something." We're like, uh, "No, there's just like 20 of us that are all sober, doing exactly. more than everyone else." <laughs> exactly. I think you're referring to the birthday party yep. um, for one of our friends, and to be able to go out and have such a good time sober, and there be that many, you know, junkies and alcoholics in a bar, you know, dancing and having so much fun was a cool experience. Now, you do have to be careful when it comes to certain newcomers, and this was a lesson that I had to learn the hard way. Mm -hmm. Um, Some people aren't ready for that. Yeah. You know, and just because I am in a place where I can do these things and enjoy them and, you know, not even blink at the thought of, of drinking or getting high, doesn't mean that everyone else is on that same level. And that was a hard lesson that I had to learn because my intentions were to show people how to have fun sober yeah. and how to be in, in real life experiences and enjoy those sober. Yeah. Well, coming in, I thought everything was just sitting around smoking cigarettes, drinking bad coffee and going bowling. And while I'm pretty good at bowling, I don't like it. Um, and I like good coffee. So that was a lot of what was in my mind when I was like right at the beginning before six months. And then you showed me there's a lot of fun. We are not a glum lot. But with that being said, like you mentioned, I have to be in fit spiritual condition. And I def, I wasn't ready for that before six months. Some people might not be ready for that at a year, but only you can decide with good sponsorship too. Right. And I am not the authority on it. And the only people I can kind of direct is my, are my sponsees. Um, But you mentioned you had to witness that firsthand. We've been around a little bit. You've been around a while, even if you haven't been sober forever. Um, You've lost some people in the program, right? And you've seen people go back out. It's uh, around the year anniversary of one of my very close friends dying last year to this disease. What's it like and how do you deal with maybe not death, but watching your friends relapse? I mean, you've been my friend that relapsed, you know? Yeah. I've been on both end of ends of it, and um, it's sad to say that at this point, um, death has been so much a part of my life with losing friends like over the past decade or so, um, all the time to this disease, um, that I've gone like numb to it, and I mm-hmm. don't really like process it at all, which is probably not healthy, but <laughs> then again, like I don't 
I don't dwell on it. It's weird. It's like I've just become so numb that it doesn't like really have an, an effect one way or the other. Like yeah. I get sad for like an hour when I find out and then I'm like, well, which is crazy. I yeah. Know. Well, um, it's compartmentalizing to protect yourself. Right. Mm-hmm. And because it just has happened so much. But as far as watching people relapse, I was that guy, you know, and to be on it this time around, especially you know, when running a sober living and, you know, I've had guys in my program that are really close to me, mm-hmm. um, that were close to me before the program and to see them not get it or anyone in general, you get close to someone that's, uh, you know, you meet at the meetings and you see them every week and then you see them go back out. It is heart wrenching. And, um, I was that guy for a very, really long time. And I remember friends that I had in the program would sit me down and try to talk to me and just be like, I really don't want to go to your funeral, dude. And me being so selfish and self-centered and consumed with what I had going on, I didn't care. I didn't listen to any of these people. And now to be on the other side of it, I get what they were going through. And um, it sucks. Yeah, it, it really does, does suck. But it's why I, uh, I chose HA, not only because I'm, I'm a heroin addict through and through, mm-hmm. Um, but the reason why I stick with HA um, is because I like being in the trenches. I like being where I'm needed the most. I like where I can give back the most. Um, the, the fellowship of HA has truly grown into something beautiful. And, um, you know, if you get a couple years in, in this fellowship of HA, that's considered a long time because <laughs> we're losing people left and right. You know, you sit someone next to someone at a meeting they're not going to be there next week. And that's just the sad reality of it. So I love being in the trenches. You know, I've heard people say, well, oh, I don't get that much out of HA compared to AA. I don't compare apples to apples. You know, I, I go to my meetings. Uh, I have my meetings that I go to where I get stuff out of it for myself. But I also choose to go to as many meetings as I go to a week still to this day because I want to give back and mm-hmm. I want to be where I'm needed the most. I get more out of that. And that's awesome. You know, a lot of watching people relapse around me because I've seen it happen to friends. I watched it happen with you, right? And I had a conversation with my sponsor pretty recently, actually. Um, I haven't shared this with you yet, but I was so mad about something you were doing. So mad, like four-column, four-step inventory. And she and I were talking through it, and I was like, I just don't get why he can't do it right. And then it came out that I was like, because I was afraid of losing you, right? Like, and I don't think that's the path you're on, but that's where my brain was because having been through it before, I'm like, I need to protect all of my chickens, right? Like I need to protect all these people that I love. And if they just don't do it the way I do it, then they're not going to stay sober and I'm not going to have my people. I'm going to go to funerals, but I have to remind myself that everyone deserves to have their own experience. I am not God. Praise the Lord. I am not God because Although people would be on time everywhere, just saying. Yeah. Um, but and much more organized. <laughs> and much more organized. And there would be football 24-7. Oh, I love um, that. Yeah, that's not a bad problem. But yeah. everyone has to have their experience. And some people have to have the relapse. It doesn't have to be a part of your story whatsoever. But for some people, they have to find their emotional bottom. Because consequences didn't work for me, Right. Being homeless wasn't the end of the world for me. You could make it through financial and stuff, you know, whatever, jails, institutions, all that. It wasn't until I hit my emotional bottom that all those other consequences were definitely really bad. Um, And wanting to have people stick around because I love them seeps into like, oh, well, these are my good intentions. Um, 
And I've just had to start accepting like this is what happens with people. Treat them with love and tolerance. Have open arms. And the unfortunate reality is people are dying. And thankfully through a lot of what's going on um, with so many different facilities and programs, there's a lot more knowledge about the opioid crisis and heroin and fentanyl and all that. Um, So we have an opportunity to reach a lot more people. But maybe, you know, some people are at peace, right? Um, And with that being said, I am so grateful for the experiences that I've had and to, I mean, I'm not a one chip wonder whatsoever, right? And if I hadn't gotten to the total lows that I did, I don't think I would want to cling on to this so much as I do now. Because this is it. For me, this is it. There's no chance again, right? This is my one last shot, pun intended. Mm. Um, So... Shout out Zora and her puns. <laughs> She's very punny, y'all. I love them. They're they're my pride and joy. <laughs> Should hear my pickup lines. <laughs> um, so you know, you you came back in this program. Um, to come back in this go around, you had to humble yourself a little bit, right? What sure. was? Can you elaborate on that? I'm not trying to give away too much. So. Um, I had an experience uh, to where I was facing some legal issues and I knew that in order for me to stay sober, um, I had to face these issues. Um, I was living in constant fear uh, of being on the run. And when you're living in that much fear, it's impossible to get any good amount of time. You know, I was in and out, you know, would get a month or two and then go back out. And I got to the most depressing point of my life where it was either kill myself or turn myself in. Um, and you're coming, you're talking to someone that was like, you know, living that street life to where if you would have said, I'd turn myself in, I would have laughed at you and Mm -hmm. that would never be something I would ever do. But, um, you know, I had to destroy that, that thought and, and, and get past it in order to stay sober. It was a conscious choice to where I was either going to remain miserable um you know on this destructive path where i would definitely be dead soon or i was going to just suck it up face the music get it done and live the life that i want to live and that i'm supposed to live um so i went you know i walked into the courtroom i said here i am turned myself in and i had to sit down and do a little bit of time um god blessed me with being uh, exposed to this program right before that mm-hmm. enough so that I had so many people on my side and it gives me chills to think about, um, those people that, that stuck by my side through that, through all of that. Um, and your mom, God bless your mom. Yeah. I your mom that, is a saint. She really is with the, with the amount of stuff that I put her through. It's, it's truly amazing that, um, I have such a good relationship with her still to this day. Um, she had my back through of all that. Um, I had so many people, love and support me through that um that i made a conscious decision in that jail cell that when i got out i was gonna you know do whatever it took to stay sober and i've been sober ever since and um it's truly been a blessing i think that god has left me here and let me go through all of that to get to this point um i know that i'm still here for a reason and i know that is to 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 reach somebody and, and help them out so i'm very grateful for that experience Do you ever have any struggles with, you mentioned like God has you here for a reason, right? So right now, 
something that's popped into my mind as of yesterday. Um, this chick that I'm loosely, we're acquaintances, but we're friends on Facebook. Um, she got certified to help foster kids. And so last night I spent like two hours researching how to be a foster mom because I think that's something I want to do. I currently have foster pets, right? I'm not set up to be a foster parent right now. Um, but something I've been mulling over is what is my purpose, right? I work in insurance. I have a decent job, but it's not my career. I kind of really want to be an attorney and eventually judge Judy, not on TV, but I love her. That would her. be perfect for you. I love Judge Judy. Uh, I have watched legitimately every <laughs> single episode, and they're in the hundreds. But I'm trying to figure out what my purpose is, right? Mm-hmm. I love doing this. If I could quit my day job and someone would pay me to do this, that'd be cool. Do I want to be a counselor? Do I want to, where do, where am I supposed to be going? Mm-hmm. Do you ever have struggles, you know, trusting that God has a plan or maybe you're like, I got this. I feel safe and protected. What's your experience with that? Cause you're older too. You're not mm-hmm. 21. You're 33 or about mm-hmm. to be 33. Yeah. Uh, first of all, shout out Hannah for doing out there doing God's work. Um, Amen to that. It's truly amazing, uh, what she does and, and the reason what she, why she does it. Mm-hmm. Um, so shout out her. Hit me up in a year. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, but you know, I struggled with that for 30 something years of my life. Um, not knowing what my purpose was, not believing I had a purpose. You know, Mm. I thought I was just destined to be a junkie my whole life and, and not be a functioning member of society. And I had gotten to a point where like, I was okay with that. You know, I, I just knew that that's all my life would ever be. Um, so now to be on the other side of that and to have my own things and, you know, make my own money, pay my own bills, have my own car, have my own job. Like I don't have to steal. You know what I mean? It's truly been a blessing. And I, and I thoroughly and honestly have no doubt in my mind that God has left me here, um, for a reason. And that reason is to, to try and reach others with a message of hope and and try to, to help them recover. Um, um, I believed that once I, stayed sober for a little bit of time, but I was reassured of that when I was experienced to working in recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, I had finally found, you know, a career path, um, that I'm still working on, you know, it, it is not something easy. Um, working recovery is very stressful. God bless. Yeah. Very, very stressful. But I do believe that it is my purpose. Um, you know, and if it doesn't work out, um, I'm still so involved within the fellowship and the program that I can still give back and feel like that I do have a purpose um, to help others. So. Right. That it's, it doesn't necessarily have to be your job, but because exactly. it is, that's awesome, right? Exactly. Um, I have just had to be play like one day at a time in my head. You know, that was very pr- present in my mind coming in because you said I went to 90 meetings in 90 days more than that but you know and you hear all these cliches and during that time I had to take it one day at a time and one hour at a time well I've been around a little bit and I'm like well I I want to be alive in five years so I'm going to start making goals and I recognize that like I can't buy a house right now it's going to take some time but with that being said sometimes my control issues my lack of being able to give over the give it over and say I have faith that God has a purpose for me that's just what I haven't been super good at recently and I'm having to remind myself like okay I just need to do what I need to do today keep the goals in the back of my mind but trust that like there's going to be someone out there for me there's going to be a job every job that I've gotten in 
or I've um, been in in recovery has honestly been gifted to me, right? Like my first job was a GM of a restaurant and someone was like, hey, we need someone to come work here. And within like weeks, I was a manager. Then I was GM pretty quickly after, right? My current job, a friend of mine, her sister worked there and she's like, why don't you go interview? And I interviewed like the next day and got the job and was there two weeks later. Um, but it's hard to see that in the moment, right? Because I'm like, what is the meaning of life? And why uh, why don't I have the house yet or whatever? Yeah. Um, so you live with another person or two people who are in the rooms, right? Yes. I live solo. Mm-hmm. What is it like? I have lived with other sober people. Mm-hmm. I say sober in air quotes for those who can't watch it. Um, how is that navigating living with other sober people? Are there fears there or is it just like the best experience ever? Cause it's chancy. Shout out chancy. <laughs> first of all, um, I was going to do that anyways. Um, uh, chancy and I, Chancey's my roommate for those of y'all that don't know, um, moved in together when he was fresh out of treatment and I was fresh out of sober living. And from the get go, I had never spent so much time with one person. Um, you know, we started working together. We lived together. We went to all the same meetings together. You traveled across the country, we traveled together. across the country together in the back, you 